I'm sitting up in bed looking at him walking. I, I think he's going to bump into the wall because he's heading toward it. I didn't know that he had came through it, and so did I. I mean, I didn't know any of that at the time. Um, but he, I, I thought to myself, he's going to bump into the wall, and he turns around because he heard me thinking that. Now, that was bizarre for me. I mean, I wasn't scared, afraid. I wasn't paralyzed, wasn't nothing. Not even afraid. I didn't know who... Who is a skinny little guy in my room? When he turned around, he had large black eyes that were perfectly round, not the uh, not the uh, elliptical eyes you see in the Hollywood version. He said something, and it happened. What he said appeared in my mind, which was telepathy, felt like telepathy, and he said, it's awake. Daryl Sims is the alien hunter and is the world's leading expert on alien abductions. His groundbreaking approach has led to discoveries that are being scrutinized by experts worldwide. That and more coming right up on My Alien Life. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? My Alien Life is recorded live from atop the Northern Rocky Mountains and is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and everywhere fine podcasts are found. My website is at www.myalienlifepodcast.com. There you will find my email address, all previously recorded shows, and more. I am Cameron Brower. This is My Alien Life, and the podcast starts right now. My guest tonight is an alien hunter and his name is Daryl Sims. And listening tonight, I have the most educated audience as always that you'll ever find. And sir, they know you very well. So I'll do my best to throw some curveballs tonight. And maybe we can find something new from a man who needs very little introduction. Daryl Sims, thank you for joining me and welcome. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm delighted. You know, everybody knows that, um, you and I, we have no love for aliens, and I would do anything to keep them away from from my loved one for, for sure, and I know you would too, but being an alien hunter, does that mean that you'd use deadly force to defend yourself or apprehend one? Uh, it, what it means to me as a former police officer uh, in the military and also a private investigator and a bounty hunter, uh, I have a little different criteria than some other folks. Um, but when it comes to protecting my children or grandchildren or anyone from immediate harm or what I perceive to be harm, uh, I would do whatever's necessary to uh, stop a kidnapping from taking place. Kidnapping, as you know, is a crime, and that's exactly what this is. 
And really, you know, when we talk about abduction, I mean, it is actual kidnapping. It's a violation of you. It's a violation of your space, your property and your family. So how would you explain to that, that to someone who basically believes that, um, I mean, there's actually people out there who insist that aliens are here to teach us a valuable lesson and to promote love, peace and harmony. Yet we disappear from time to time. What's up? Well, uh, all that sounds good. Uh, in, in an academic sense, in the real world, it doesn't quite work out that way. Uh, I got a, a lady that contacted me tonight, a really wonderful lady, and um, she ended up with a couple of uh, huge marks on her face. She said, I put my makeup on all the time. I mean, what are all these cuts doing on me? I mean, I've got these strange dreams, weird things happening and so on. and." Here I am with these marks, and then now the doctor says there's something under my skin where the, one of the cuts is. So uh, obviously the person is very concerned about their health and the fact that it may have actually been implanted is an example. Um, it's kind of difficult to tell these people, this is for your highest and best good, and you just don't understand, and you need to get your head screwed on right. I just don't believe that at all. Uh, particularly when, uh, when I, I go overseas, and particularly in South America, uh, when I come up with uh, cases of mutilated people. Um, somehow I just don't see that that is for the best and highest good, and I don't understand what medical or scientific reason you need to skin an elderly woman alive in her bed with no blood in the bed whatsoever. I've heard you say in previous interviews that um, in order to contact or p- perhaps even capture one of these um, organisms, we're kind of going about it in a wrong way. Is it possible that you actually think that we could um, capture or even have an, have an alien in our possession? Um, and has it happened? Well, it actually has happened, uh, Roswell, 1947. Uh, but in my opinion, uh, to answer that question and to further expand on your excellent question, uh, I think we have captured one. And I think, the, I think that was the ruse my view about Roswell is a lot different than probably anyone out there. In my view, the alien, if he landed and did all the appropriate things, we'd never trust him because, I mean, he's already done a lot of stuff pretty weird. And uh, then all of a sudden, uh, if he gives himself up and says, oh, here I am, take me and let me, let me have all the launch codes, your nukes and all that, I just don't think that's ever going to happen. However... If you could get two or three of the ships to crash into each other and say one of them crash at Roswell when at Corona is an example, and then they don't care, in my view, uh, how many of their little guys die because that's irrelevant because those are just a cosmic toaster anyway. They, they got a million of them. All they need is for one to be alive. And so happens that two live and one later died, and the other one is still alive, as best I know. My point is that there's not an abductee out there or contactee, either one, that wouldn't tell you that if you're sitting down in front of that entity, that it can download or upload all the information it wants to in your brain rapidly. Well, now that we've caught him, so to speak, we captured a UFO, We caught, we and they got an alien, they didn't want to tell that part, they flew in from Carswell Air Force Base to Wright-Patterson. And guess who they sat down in front of him? 
the top level person in the military industrial complex, General Nathan Twining himself. What do you think that alien did with the information in his head? Downloaded it, of course. It, there, there's not a better intelligence operation ever pulled off, in my opinion, than that. So do you think this alien's capable of, of utilizing that or um, um, uploading that information to another alien somewhere else? Well, it, it, again, it, it, we have to go by abductee and contactee's information. The alien can beam in and beam out. They can get, get them in and outside of a building. Well, the military was dumb enough that they actually believe when they captured this little guy, they didn't realize that they could have just as easily beamed him out. They didn't know that. So they put him in a, in a, a secured area at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. They were sitting there trying to feed him ice cream and beans or whatever it is. I mean, really dumb stuff. And at a certain point, this little thing downloads all the information from General Nathan Twining's brain. And undoubtedly, they showed up that night or thereafter and checked the information and uploaded it from the alien. They left him there. The, the reason this makes more sense to me than anything I've ever heard is simply because of this. The alien can beam them out if they want to. They could get him out of there. Why did they leave him in there? Because they're getting good intelligence. That's why. Why would they want to remove him? He's in the perfect position. I think later we figured out that we made a huge mistake. And, uh, but the problem is the general Nathan Twining, and I have this on extremely good authority and you will not read this in any book anywhere, became friends with the little guy. So what part of our government officially deals with aliens? That's the $64,000 question. Yeah, Obviously, it is. portions of the Central Intelligence Agency, I belonged to the CIA for two years in covert operations during the Vietnam War. Um, there's a portion of it, but your audience needs to clearly understand that if you drive up to the front gate of the CIA at Langley and say, I want to know about aliens, they'll just tell you, turn your vehicle around and get off the property. And the reason is because they don't know what you're talking about. They don't have a clue. They honestly don't. Everybody thinks that, or a lot of people at least, believe that the intelligence community, if one piece of information is known in it, everybody knows. The janitor, everybody. They don't. They just don't. That's compartmentalized information. It's kept in various levels of special access programs. It just doesn't work like most people think it does. It's not like you talk to somebody, get a, a buddy there, and he just tells you all these great big secrets. Uh, I, I just, we've got people in the UFO community that uh, uh, I call them airheads because they, they go around, they, they have these incredible stories that uh, kind of don't make any sense, and all your aliens are no longer, uh, everything everybody saw for 50, 60, 100 years now it doesn't matter. My aliens are a lot different and a lot better and bigger than yours. And uh, so I tend to think that's either made up or someone spoon-fed that to somebody uh, because the, the alien phenomenon we're looking at has seven primary uh, models is what I call them. I do not for an instant believe that these beings come from another planet. 
Zeta Reticuli or any other place, uh, these are models. It's just, it's just like going down to the Chevy company and seeing a Chevette or a Corvette Stingray. I mean, one's a high end, the other's a low end. It doesn't make any difference. They're models. They're made, hatched, cloned, or manufactured for the purpose of interaction with mankind. And are they beings of the earth, then? Is that what you're saying, from our future, maybe? I don't think so. I think the beings, uh, and, and we've looked at this for a long, long, long time. So this is just not a theory that I developed because I thought, well, this is neat. I'll just think up something and then see if I can find evidence to prove it. Uh, as a former cop, that we, we think differently than that. We, you look at the evidence, and then you look at it and see what supports the evidence. Um, if you look at, for instance, uh, one of the entities that is often mentioned is the reptile type being, uh, where are you going to get reptile DNA? Probably not from Saturn. Uh, another one looks like a giant praying mantis. Where do you get praying mantis DNA? Probably not from Neptune. Another one looks like a Nordic human being. Where would you get Nordic DNA? I'm going to take a wild guess here. Probably Norway. Probably not Zeta Reticuli. My point is every one of the seven entities that we're talking about, the DNA, in my opinion, comes from here. Somebody came here, got the DNA, took it back out there, wherever there's at. And if your audience have an, has an interest, I'll give you some pretty good hints of where the aliens actually at in our neighborhood, so to speak, in our solar system. But the fact is that the DNA appears to come from planet Earth, and Dr. Moreau, that's what I like to refer to him as, takes the DNA back out to these massive craft that they have, we've, and we've got film of them. I mean, it's not like this is a, a theoretical situation. We've got actual photographic evidence of it by astronomers. And on these massive craft, hatch, clone, make, or manufacture these entities as transgenics. A transgenic is taking two creatures and then putting the DNA together to make uh, another one. A good example is uh, a DNA testing was done on Bigfoot this last year up in Nacogdoches, Texas. And apparently the tests were quite good and conclusive. What they found is that the creature was a simian, a, an ape-like creature. Well, no big surprise there. However, the amazing thing is the following. The other part of the DNA test showed it to be modern human woman mitochondrial DNA. Now, where would you get a modern human woman? I'm going to take a wild guess again. Probably planet Earth. That's what I'm guessing. And I think that's going to be real close to right. So do you think there's, there's a, a, a group of entities or of civilization that is that are space dwellers that are actually playing God and, and seeing how things work out? Or what what would you perceive to be the purpose of, of this whole venture of, of creating different organisms and have them possibly compete with us on Earth? Well, in, in, my, in my view, it's a, it's a, the whole thing is a deceptive practice. Uh, and this is not based on something I came up with uh, rapidly. This has been a, a lot of my looking at this thing from uh, for, for over 40 years. And 
if you look at the most ancient literature, Hindu, Vedic, Wardic, uh, Warkin, Sumerian, ancient Hebrew, uh, I don't care which version of the story you want to listen to. The bottom line is that the stories are very, very similar. It's like uh, uh, looking around the world for Noah's Ark. Uh, I don't care whether you believe the biblical view or the or, or the different views around the world. The point is something happened that caused a great catastrophic flood and only a few people survived it. And the stories of that are all over the earth. So somebody didn't make up a whopper and go tell everybody on the whole earth that the whopper, they were all in one location. And that seems to be the same case with uh, these stories of who the original guys are that started this stuff. Originally, if you go back to the most, uh, the basic story, in my view, is that there was a war in heaven and that somebody got kicked out. Whoever got kicked out didn't like it, came down to the favorite place of whoever kicked them out and decided to wreak havoc. And they've done a pretty good job on it. There were several programs that were in instituted. One of them ended up in giantism on the earth. And uh, giants were all over the earth at one time. And in fact, uh, the sixth chapter of Genesis talks about it quite clearly. The book of Enoch talks about it. But, but so do other documents, too. You look at uh, Enki and Enli in the story, the Sumerian story. The, uh, uh, when you look at them, one of them is standing. It's really cool because in the base relief, in the, uh, the carvings uh, in stone, shows Enki and Enli standing there with little human beings about, about half their size at best, little people. And, and I think it's Enki, it's got a, a full-grown lion under his arm like a kitten. <laughs> These are giants. That's who they were. That's, that's the story. And, and the, the amazing thing is that these uh, giants showed up all over the world. It wasn't just in, uh, uh, how did the best way to say that? It wasn't just in uh, uh, ancient Samaria. It was, in fact, um, all over the world. When the, the scientists and archaeologists and paleontologists went to uh, Machu Picchu, in like well, I think it's 1929, the first thing he told those little Peruvian people is, you're so smart. Look at your culture. You built this great, big, beautiful, amazing city up here in the middle of nowhere. That's just amazing. We're so proud of you. And the Peruvians looked at them like, what? We didn't build this. The giants did. The giants are all over, all over. If you study uh, from the Lovelock Cave with the Paiute Indians, it doesn't make any difference how you want to frame it. it, it giants are all over history from the East Coast to the West. I'm telling you, it, it's just, a, it's just, that's just the way it was. That was a program run by the alien. Excuse me by the originators. And, and, and the only way I could refer to them is uh, as the fallen angelics. And they came here with a specific purpose of tampering with mankind, and they did a pretty good job of it. Giants was just one of their programs. In fact, if anybody looks at the history of the giants and does a, a real in-depth, honest study about it, you'll find that the Stone Age really is, wasn't about man at all. 
of the age of the giants. So I want to back so up. Why, just go ahead, finish that thought. Well, that, that's why you have the, the stone relics all over the world. Uh, not all of them are made by the giants, but many of them were. And it was their culture that did that before they were finally wiped out. And you would think it it would be a lot a lot easier for a, a huge organism to 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 make these huge structures rather than a bunch of tiny uh, human beings. So um, and it would require a lot of strength as well. But and it, and maybe and maybe other some of the technology and so on that you see in the UFO phenomena as well. I don't deny that some of that may have been used as well. But uh, the fact is, whoever did it, we're still not able to do some of this very things today. We don't even have equipment to lift some of the, the uh, several hundred ton stones uh, out there. We, we just don't have the equipment that would just lift that off the ground and haul it off. Uh, it's absolutely amazing what, uh, what happened way back then, so to speak. But then uh, the alien phenomena, a lot of people think that it has been here forever. It hasn't. Uh, some of the alien entities may have been here for a while, but the alien abduction phenomena probably has only been with us for no more than two or 300 years at the most. It's just another program. Have you seen a rise at all or a, a, a basic uh, increase in certain years or certain decades in the United States um, where we had alien-related phenomenon happening and um, the reason I ask that, because to me, you know, the 60s, the 70s, maybe the early 80s seem to be, you know, those years that, um, that I was really made aware of, of alien activity. Well, I think you've, you've hit on a, a really good question. Uh, there seems to be a flap every five to seven years for sure. And in the flap that occurs uh, of UFO activity, sightings, contact, that sort of thing, uh, another phenomenon happens that's rather fascinating, in my opinion, and it's actually going on right now. Uh, people just don't recognize it because that a lot of people, millennials and uh, X generation, these sort of people, uh, are too young. They don't really know the history of what's going on with this stuff. I'm older than dirt, so I kind of remember some of this stuff. I mean, first time they made dirt, I told them that's the wrong color, and they had to change it that I was there. I'm just kidding, of course. But the fact is that every five to seven years, we get a quote-unquote, I call him a UFO messiah. And this UFO person that will be picked out by the alien, and they'll be given specific, credible information to tell us. And they, that person gets played to the hilt. And it's just it's a heartbreaking scenario. The, I'll just give you the last two or three of them. Uh, the, one of them was a guy named Prophet Yahweh out in the, the Las Vegas area. I mean, he wore a turban and the whole nine yards as a black fellow with a turban and a real nice guy. And he would tell the news service things like, well, I could call the aliens down. And they're like, you know, let's go out there and make a fool of this guy, you know, turn our cameras on and watch this idiot get stood up and the UFOs would show up. And every time he'd go out and tell them that, UFOs would show up, and it would freak out the press. They just, oh, my goodness. So they, they set the person up the same way every time, and they've done this as long as, I've, as long as I can remember. There'll be a new Messiah, and this was this is one of them. And uh, then one day, of course, they tell you the big one. We're going to come down and land 
reveal ourselves to mankind. And they give him a date, and he tells everybody the big date. Of course, all the news services are out there because every time he calls UFOs down, there they are. And so they're all out there, and of course, all the groupies are out there. Oh my gosh, no, let's meet, let's welcome the aliens, and so on. And <laughs> nothing happens. He gets stood up. He made he's made a fool, and looks. Everybody calls him a nut. But the fact is, the stuff he said all worked before, but it didn't this time. The last person that happened to, in my opinion, was a sweet lady out of uh, Australia. She was a psychic, and uh, she started getting messages from the alien. Now she was not an abductee or a contactee. They just selected her out because she's a good. She's going to be a good one for this. And she started telling people all this stuff, and it was true. It all happened just like she said. And then one day they gave her the big super day when they're coming down. And, of course, they didn't show up. Well, it just ruined it, destroyed her career. I mean, her whole life was everybody thinks she's a nut and a cheat and a liar and everything else. They're missing the whole point. She was set up just like Prophet Yahweh was. And that people have been done this way for as, as long as I can remember. And we currently have, an, and I won't name them, I'll just let you figure it out. We've got a, a, another one or two out there that are <laughs> telling us all kinds of great stuff. And I mean, it sounds great, but it just ain't true. <laughs> and they're going to, and they're, they may have already been exposed, but, uh, but they will in time. Believe me, it, it always happens. It, every five to seven years, like you have beautifully pointed out, uh, there's a flap there. Something happens, and uh, anybody thinks you're going to control the alien or you've got the inside dope on them, I have news for you. You're being played. But it started to look a little different in the 90s, didn't it? And I don't know why that would be. Is it because of technology, the way we communicate um, the Internet? It, it's, it's different somehow. Well, uh, the wonderful thing about uh, the Internet is we get to learn all kinds of things. We get to uh, communicate faster, quicker. Uh, a guy told me the other day that, uh, that uh, he was at a conference I was at, and <laughs> he said, it's, well, I have uh, it on good authority. The aliens have told me the great council of whatever, you know, these big guys' robes, sitting in you know, with cosmic skinheads with these big black eyes and robes told him the big one that we're not abducting. No one's abdu getting abducted anymore. That's all stopped. I said, well, you sure need to inform our aliens because they're, they're not getting the message at all. I said, business is better than ever. And uh, you, you don't know what you're talking about. In fact, there was an attorney present as well in the UFO field. And uh, he said, uh, you need to revise your thinking there, bud. He said, uh, I can assure you, if Daryl says they're still doing it, they are. And he said, and I've got plenty of reports from other people that say the same thing. So uh, business is, is, is going good. Uh, the, the contact experience is continuing, and uh, I don't see any abatement in it. If we're on a five- to seven-year cycle for disinformation, what about uh, technology? Is, did we receive technology from somewhere else, or is this all, all ours, our, all human, and uh, are we, uh, should we, we be proud of it and it's our baby? Well, I, I, I think you brought up a really good point. In fact, I, I think both answers are correct. Uh, by and large, uh, there is an ancient statement, and again, it comes out of the Bible, rather amazing statement. 
is talking about the uh, uh, end times, and it says knowledge shall be increased. And it doesn't mean people are just going to have more information. It's it, it just it's beyond expectation. Uh, and I think that's due to several things. Uh, one is, in fact, that some of the technologies that we have, and especially the stuff we're not seeing, but you, you may see in the very near future, uh, is simply back engineered. Uh, some of the other technology, uh, I think, has to do with the biblical statement, knowledge being increased, Internet, and uh, enormous speed by which we can collate information. And, I mean, in your cell phone alone, there's enough information to do. There's more, inf- there's more technology in a cell phone than there was in the entire space uh, flight that we had to the moon. Uh, it's just absolutely unbelievable. In fact, I posted something on my uh, website of my Facebook site, Alien is on a moon for they faked or not. And, uh, and obviously they were not, but it's a movie producer who comes on there and uh, he proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that <laughs> we didn't even have the technology back then film-wise to fake it. And that's just the truth of it. So uh, I, I think so, I think both answers are true. Uh, I think most of the stuff that we're looking at that they're going to be looking at that's back engineered, we haven't even seen it yet. Only some of it we have. And Dr. Bob Wood has pointed that out quite clearly, and he has some good hard evidence, and I've actually seen the original documents, not copies, of the original documents of things that were back in, engineered from the 1947 Roswell crash. But I think the real stuff that we need to be looking at, uh, we may already be seeing in the skies, and some of the times we're looking at quote-unquote UFOs, and they're kind of not. They're ours. Yeah, I think we're in possession of some amazing things. I want to back up just a little bit and talk about um, the aliens that, or the alien that the U.S. government had in its possession, and, and what a conundrum that would be, because... Wasn't there a big catch-22 there? Uh, this, this alien is absorbing information. Um, and it's passing on its information to its buddies, yet we kind of have to hang on to this thing for some reason. And I'm sure in the future we really don't know what we're going to need him for, but isn't, isn't there a conflict there? I mean, obviously it's stealing information, but we can't stop that, but we need to have it do that somehow. Excellent, excellent point. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the, there's actually a way you can deal with an a, with the alien and kind of put him on ice, so to speak, and keep him alive, and he can't communicate. They haven't figured that out yet, and uh, so he is a horrific liability. Anyone that's around him, anyone that he has contact with, they're going to get downloaded. It's just that simple. And uh, we made a huge, huge tactical mistake by uh, allowing uh, anybody anybody getting in his presence because uh, I guarantee you that information was downloaded. And there's not an abductor or contact out here that, worth their salt that will tell you the same thing. Well, they can upload and download information for you anytime they want to. The question is, why haven't they beamed him out? Because he's still useful. That's why. So there's a huge liability there. It's on somebody's shoulders. Are we just waiting for the other hand to fall and, and uh, they, we're going to suffer consequences. 
they haven't figured out how to isolate him without them knowing it and without them finding him. Uh, because if if they wanted him out of here, he had already been gone. He'd be gone in, in, in seconds. Uh, and I'll give you an example of this. Uh, a gentleman uh, was at a conference in, um, this was in Denver years ago, and a, a bunch of people, of course, down around answering hundreds of questions. And this guy waited for the longest time, and everybody was gone. And I said, did you have a question or anything for me? And he said, yeah, he said, I don't believe in all this stuff. I think it's a bunch of crap. And I said, that's okay. What's your question? And he said, um, like I said, I don't believe in all this. I said, okay, you said that. He said, I'm a sight hunter. And I said, I know exactly what you are. And he said, I was hunting, and I was down, to, down in a little, little valley coming up on this hill. And I looked up, and he said, instantly, as soon as I saw it, I mean, I, I pulled up and I drew down on it and fired and shot it right through the center of the chest. I said, what did you shoot? And he said, I'm real comfortable, uncomfortable saying this. I said, just tell me the story. He said, it was a seven-foot praying mantis. He said, now, I don't believe in this stuff. Here I am. I shot one of them. And then it disappeared. And he said, now I'm really confused. I heard about you being in town. I'd heard you on a program. And I thought, well, I'll come talk to this guy. And I said, "What what happened, in my opinion, is the praying mantis was picking up somebody, had contact with somebody, yet there's a hill there. He's standing on top of it. The UFO is in a distance. It can't see you yet. You're beneath the hill. They can't see you. And at the moment you fired, they realized they'd made a mistake, and he got shot, and they beamed him out. When he got there on board the craft, he had a big hole right in the middle of him. He was done. And I said, that is what I'm talking about when I say they can beam you out and beam you in whenever they need to. It's, it's relatively easy to do for them. So uh, if they wanted him out of here, he'd already been gone. He's still serving a purpose. He's, we may still be hoodwinked to some degree over that issue. So we have to study these things in a multidisciplinary way. Now, when you mentioned um, before that or this this guy, when, when this, this mantis disappeared, are they retrieving these bodies? Do they want them back? And wouldn't that tell us something about them? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we have plenty of bodies in the United States. Uh, I, I can reasonably assure anyone that we have multiple bodies from various different events. Uh, Roswell... Even before Roswell, uh, the Barshina incident of 1996, uh, the bodies from there, we received all of them, the ones that were deceased and alive, uh, and we got to craft as well. And uh, we've got that on very good information. Uh, but there are, there are other, other incidents, too, of things that have happened that are just beyond the pale. Uh, where the United States government got the material, so to speak. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty old hat in, this, in one sense of the word. Uh, and I'm not saying this to, uh, to belittle uh, the UFO field or, or anything about any, or anyone. I'm saying simply that the information is so good out there of us, the United States, having the bodies and other nations and people in the know 
have already made that known to me uh, very clearly. And uh, it doesn't take a genius to figure out if a bus crashes, let's just, let's take a, a perfect, an easy analogy for an audience. A bus crashes. The buses are, the windows are all, all colored up so you can't see into it. Do you actually believe nobody was driving that bus? If you open the bus, will you find anybody in there, dead or alive? Undoubtedly. Because somebody's driving that bus. So if a UFO crashes, was anybody in it? More than likely. Well, there may have been just probes. That's entirely true. In some cases, they are. There are reasons for that, and there are specifications that make more sense about probes than a craft with the entities on board. There's a lot of difference there. But when entities are involved, there are certain things that generally happen, like contact. And there are generally ways we can pretty much discern if entities are going to be involved uh, just by the way they manifest or the way certain activities take place. And anyway, the bottom line is we do have the bodies. We've had them for some time. Uh, it is to our great advantage to have them to study, obviously. But one of the things I think the intelligence community has really missed it on, perhaps, is the best way to study these entities the way I have for the last 20 years. And that is through abduction. Not just because we have eyewitness testimony, because some of these people are not good eyewitnesses. They're easily messed with, they're programmed, and they're caused to believe they were in the school of higher consciousness or whatever when they weren't. And uh, they're easy to hoodwink. So uh, in that respect, some of your witnesses are not going to be that good because they don't, they don't know what's happened to them. They're, they're honest people that just simply don't know. They think they know. They have a feeling of what happened. But the fact is, some of the things we've done is to actually program uh, volunteers. I, <laughs> they are my, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, they're my little cosmonauts. And I know they're going to get abducted anyway. And some of these people are perfect. Not many, but some of them are perfect to go on board those craft. And when they're taken, I can leave one portion of them be, to be abducted. And another portion is completely coherent and un, unnoticeable by the alien. What that means is simply I've got my own Manchurian candidate on board the craft when they abduct them. Considering what you do and how you do it, are knowledgeable people like you a liability to aliens? And are they aware of you and other people like you? Oh, I, I assure you they're aware of me. Uh, we, we were laughing at a, at a meeting last night. Uh, uh, they said, well, when you're going back to Istanbul, Turkey. And I said, I am. I said, the first time I went there, uh, there were about 350 people talking to me uh, and then after finished talking to them and the conference got ready to go uh, and, and they were doing their formalities and everything, this one lady was standing there looking at me and she says, I said, do you have a question, young lady? And she said, yeah, um, I had this weird dream of you. And I, of course, always make jokes of everything. And I said, well, it's, it's not unusual, you know, it, it happened. 
and she said, um, it was really strange. And I said, what, well, tell me about the dream. She said, I dreamed of you with these giant snakes and the tigers and lions. It's just weird. And I said, you had that dream? She said, yes. And she says, I've never met you. I don't know anything about you other than you're and I, but I, but I saw you in this dream and I said, okay, would, was there a message? And she said, yeah, I'm not supposed to give you any information at all. <laughs> I said, we have heard that at least a thousand times in my lifetime. Wow. I said, I think I'm on the, on the most wanted list for the alien. And she laughed and said, uh, yeah, but that was such a strange dream. I said, young lady, I have a Bengal tiger, a mountain lion, and three giant pythons 18 feet long. She looked at me stunned. <laughs> I said, it, wa it wasn't a dream. They're showing you the truth and are telling you to, to make sure that you don't talk to me or have anything. She said, that's exactly what they said. I said, I've heard that so many times. It's it's pathetic. I hear it all the time. Do I've you, even had, and she drew a picture of me, by the way, and handed me the picture right there. Huh. She said, this was the picture of the man that I saw in the dream. It looked like me. I said, that's, you're not, you're not a, a forensic artist or anything. I said, but that's close. Right. But I've got probably half a dozen pictures of me just like that from people from Brazil to Istanbul, Turkey, to, uh, right here in the United States. And they're all told the same thing. Do not give this man information. Do you have a number figure for how many abductions that you've investigated? Uh, I have over 2000 cases worldwide. And I've, I've literally talked to tens of thousands of people, uh, in, in every media you can imagine, uh, from as many as 3000 at a conference to, uh, to several million listening on radio and, and TV and that sort of thing. So it's been a lot. There's been a lot of people. I get an average of uh, probably a, a hundred emails uh, a week just from people inquiring about their events and things like that. Uh, a, a lot. I, I get a lot. How many times have you been abducted? I've been abducted uh, approximately 10 times over a period of uh, 13 years from age four, a uh, little over age four to uh, seven, age 17. They stopped uh, violently at age 17. And I thought, yay, this is great. You know, hopefully nothing else will happen. And it didn't to me. They came and got my son when he was six. And that changed me from a victim to an alien hunter. So I hunt them that hunted me and later hunted my son. And they're maybe out there hunting you or your folks. And uh, at that point, that's, that changed the whole dynamic for me. So they're, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're on my wanted list right now. That's all there is to it. What did you do to change this? How did you stop it? I mean, what's, what's if anybody, I know people have to ask you all the time, how do you stop it? So how do you stop it? Well, for the most part, people don't stop it. Uh, they, uh, they whine, they complain, they cry. Uh, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really sad. It's heartbreaking, really. And because everybody w always wants to know the big answer. 
what I need to, you know, whether I take this pill, the red or the blue one, and it'll all quit. I said that actually it's, it's I said the red and blue pill in the matrix kind of is reversed. Uh, the red pill you take, you find out the big truth. Uh, but the fact is, it's right reversed. Uh, you want to you want to stay in the matrix, so to speak, because that's the only way you're ever going to figure out what's what's what, what's real, and what's not. And there's a lot of stuff that in there is absolutely like the matrix that is a construct that is not it's not real, and uh, it's it's not it's not real in the sense of the word that. Um, that uh, that our reality matches that. Uh, the alien, for instance, everybody always says, "Well, you've got to be kind to the alien because they they need love is what they need. They need for you to love them, and then then they'll all be all happy." And, well, first of all, they're not in charge of anything. They work for someone else. Whoever they're working for is calling the shots. If they want you mutilated, the alien will do it with equal enthusiasm. If they're told to uh, to make this person love us and adore us, and they're the Johnny Appleseed of our experience, and we're going to uh, keep them online for most of their, uh, not all their life, promise them we're going to tell them the big story, which they never do. Uh, at the end, and it just it's just a heartbreaker. Uh, but they'll do that. They do will do any of that with the same enthusiasm. They're simply in that's their job in applying human values to them is absolutely uh it, it it makes no sense whatsoever for instance whenever i was abducted at age four uh he, when i saw him in the room I, I what happened is i woke up at the end of the event uh, and i didn't wake up is not even the right word i was switched on i switched myself on and uh and I'm sitting up in bed looking at him walking. I, I think he's going to bump into the wall because he's heading toward it. I didn't know that he had came through it, and so did I. I mean, I didn't know any of that at the time. Um, but he, I, I thought to myself, he's going to bump into the wall, and he turns around because he heard me thinking that. Now, that was bizarre for me. I mean, I wasn't scared, afraid. I wasn't paralyzed, wasn't nothing. Not even afraid. I didn't know who was a skinny little guy in my room when he turned around he had large black eyes that were perfectly round not the uh not the uh, elliptical eyes you see in the hollywood version so i'm sitting there trying to figure you know well, what in the world um so <laughs> long story short is he realized he said something and it happened what he said appeared in my mind which was telepathy felt like telepathy and he said, it's awake. And I realized at that point, um, there's only one person in this room that he could be talking to, and that's me. So I'm just stunned um, because <laughs> uh, it's awake. He's talking about me. It's me that's uh, going on in the situation. So. I'm just uh, absolutely stunned by the whole thing. At that point, when he realized he needed to get control of me, he transferred his fear to me. And what that means to the audience is the fear that you, if you ever experienced that fear, I assure you it's no fear that you've ever experienced before. And at age four, you don't have a lot of fears because you don't even know, you, you don't know enough about life to know much of anything. 
And I have never experienced fear like that in my entire life of my whole little four and a half years or however old I was. And the point is he transferred the fear that he lives in to me because they live in an economy that you and I can't even hardly grasp. And uh, to apply human standards to them is just simply ridiculous. It makes no sense whatsoever, none. That account you just told me makes perfectly good sense to me. And um, I find it amazing just because, you know, my, from my own story, you know, lying in a bedroom and um, all of a sudden having this incredible fear that I couldn't even understand or even comprehend. And it was something that, that was bigger at that time in my life than, than it was bigger than myself. And um, yeah. yeah. And, and I did, I did come to at a time when I think I wasn't supposed to, and it seemed to interrupt the flow or whatever was happening at that moment. And everything just kind of froze in time there while we kind of had this Mexican standoff looking at each other and frozen, you know, and I, and to me, I looked at this thing thinking it was scared shitless. And I I knew for a fact that I was so, um, yeah, I know that moment. It's incredible. Well, it's, it's a control mechanism. It's, it's a good mechanism in the sense that they need something like that to protect them. But, uh, for someone that's been in their headspace, like I have, not only do they get in your headspace, but if you configure them out and learn how to do this, and these are teachable skills, you can figure out how to get in their headspace. That's how you really learn about the alien, not by listening to what they say, because they're like an intelligence community. They lie and they lie continuously. Uh, that's the way intelligence operations work. It's just that simple. They have a cover story, and that's that's how it works. I mean, that's that's the name of the game. So uh, the alien, uh, when they transfer this fear over to you, it's like a drug to them. It's they get rid of their fear for the first time, and so it's it's, it's not only just a tool to control you and to make themselves protected, so to speak. But it's, it has its own psychological, physiological benefits to them, too. That kind of has some parallels to the way some people describe evil entities, um, demons. Yeah. The, uh, and I, I'd like to comment about that, if I may. Uh, uh, I, I get this all the time from, from people, especially at conferences. Someone will come up to me and say, these a- the aliens are actually demons. And I'll say, no, you're, you're incorrect. And I, you know, if you want me to, I'll answer or address that. Uh, but generally people who come up and tell you that are, they're not there to learn anything. They're there to instruct you. And, uh, in a, anyway, uh, last person that did that, uh, informed me of this. And I said, I've probably forgotten more scripture than you're probably ever going to read. And he said, what do you mean? I said, uh, give me the definition of a of a de- of a of a, a demon. He's supposed to discarnate spirit. I said discarnate means doesn't have a body. Yeah, these beings have bodies. And then he said, "Well, they can go through walls, so that's a demon." I said, "You mean like Jesus did?" And then he got quiet. 
And I said, what we're talking about here is a level of physics you don't know anything about. And so since you have a limited vocabulary, you have to apply everything in the universe to that limited vocabulary. And I, so I understand where you're coming from, but you're incorrect. I said, these are not demonics. I said, I've seen demon possession three times in my life, two in Korea and one in the United States. And it wasn't the demon a drink or some stupid thing like that. These were things like out of the New Testament where, I mean, when something got hold of you, it was supernatural, had supernatural ability, supernatural knowledge. Uh, I mean, unbelievable power. And it hadn't, didn't have a body, but when it found somebody to inhabit, it did. I said, aliens don't inhabit people. They just don't. A demon will possess someone. An alien will abduct them. There is a difference between the two. My friend Byron Lacey um, has dealt with alien abduction for years and um, wrote a book about it, but he told me he bought a, a 45 caliber revolver. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in, in my mind, of course, my first, my first reaction in order to keep these things away would be, yeah, to do something violent, um, send out some violent thoughts and, and uh, carry myself in a way that's confident, yet I'm exuding this um, violent aura. Is that even possible? And does it work? Um, I, I, I had one of my abductees who's, who's an engineer, he gets taken fairly often and every few months. And, um, I had him, I programmed him to ask a certain question if he ever got taken again. And the question was, um, <laughs> you'll love this. Why don't you take Daryl anymore? <laughs> and they said, and he always pronounced my name wrong. Why did you, why don't you take Daryl anymore? And they answered it correctly with the correct pronunciation. They said, we don't take Daryl because he's uncooperative. I said, if that isn't the kettle calling the pot black. <laughs> I think that's true though. You know, um, I was a problem. I, I think I that's, that's what I tell people. I, I, you know, refer to myself as perhaps, you know, I knew as a kid that I was kind of a problem child in many ways, but um, maybe I was too much for humans and aliens. Um, do you think there's, is there a reason they don't want us to remember or is, does that just come with the territory? Is that, is that just part of the abduction that they don't really control is the fact that, you know, most of us don't remember. But I, I think it's a great question. And it, it I, I think a flippant answer would be, um, some nebulous idea people come up with, but the real answer for stuff like that is this, the program that began about 150, 200 years ago of contact that program, when it started, they didn't want anybody to know. The problem is the information age happened, the industrial revolution, then computers and so on. And now good Lord, if you, if, if, if anybody you know got abducted today or tonight, you're going to hear about it. Most of us on the universe are going to hear about it by the next. They got a cell phone. They can post it anywhere, and and some of them do. So it's not like it's, the information is being hidden anymore. Um, there are two ways that you can 
can deal with that is if you're an alien. Uh, and the alien runs three programs, uh, and the, your audience should know this. The three primary programs the aliens run are, th are these. The first one is that of uh, if you buy into the abduction, in other words, you like it or, or they hoodwink you or the alien Stockholm syndrome takes place, miraculously, you go along with everything and you're just 100% on, on board. It's like whatever they did to me, whatever it was, if I, even if I didn't remember it right, it was probably for my best good anyway. Um, and the, these people, I call them the honeybees. They're, they're sweet, kind, gentle people who often uh, don't realize that the funny little man in the white suit with the big black eyes is stealing your honey. He isn't borrowing your honey. He's stealing it. And you haven't figured out what the honey is yet. You still don't get it. Then the second program they work on people is a program uh, where you don't like it or didn't like it or something's wrong with this picture and you don't, you don't like it. I don't like this. These people are called abductees. An abductee is a person who thinks that they were kidnapped or taken immorally or legally or whatever. Um, and they're like killer bees. They're not like the honeybee. Now, killer bees have honey too. The only difference is if you steal their honey, you're going to pay a severe price if they catch you. Killer bees don't sting you once and then die. They sting you over and over and over until you die or you get out of the area. And uh, so resistance is probably a pretty good idea, in my opinion. But the third program, and there are people that fall in this category, and they're, they're really amazing because they're part of the original program. And that is, I don't remember anything. And an example of true story, hand to God. An engineer came to me one time uh, in Sedona. She said, I took your evaluation test, and I found out of 35 things that are common to abductees, uh, 33 of them fit me. And she said, I don't have memory of anything, and I think this is the biggest bunch of bull I have ever seen. I said, okay. She said, that bother you? That's not at all. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, I can't make you an abductee or make you not an abductee. You either are or you're not. That's Two years later, she comes with a friend of hers and says, please work with me. I, I have to know. And I did. And the very first thing she saw on board that craft at age five, in the right-hand side of the room with the cow bellowing as he was being carved to pieces, his utter face, uh, they're taking the tongue out the whole night. The cow was still alive when they doing it. And she witnessed that herself, horrified. And she went through abduction all the way up to it. She didn't remember any of them. No, no, that's the third program, which is the original program all of us were under. And that is, you won't remember. They put that large black eye right next to your face and they program you, you won't remember. Well, unfortunately, a lot of us do. And some of us buy into the narrative that they're from Zeta Reticuli and they're here to save the planet and fix the ozone hole. Only problem is they've never done that, and they're not going to. That never was the plan. And if you're still buying into that, I got some cheap land over in Florida. I need to sell you. They're they're definitely not working on, on fixing us too too quick <laughs> too quickly. It's not happening. I haven't seen it. So you brought up something really 
interesting to me that I have never even heard of before. So a witness to a uh, cattle mutilation. How many times have you heard that and, and had you heard it before? Uh, we've got several cases. Uh, uh, we use the word cattle mutilation because that's the generic term. The reason cows are noticed is because they cost a lot. Insurance companies have to pay for them. Farmers or ranchers are horrified by their cow dying and so on. But what people don't realize is there all kinds of, I've got, for instance, in, in the last three months in Houston, I've got three cats that have been mutilated that don't appear to be done by humans. These are regular house cats in the same area. And then on top of that, I've got a horse mutilation, uh, and uh, it was left alive is the horrific part of it. Um, that I'm investigating currently, a dear friend of mine, uh, is their favorite horse, and uh, they've been friends for nearly 20 years. And uh, just horrific. I just took a basketball-sized chunk out of the, out of the uh, hip of the horse and just left it there to bleed to death. So what's the purpose? What are they using the animals <laughs> for? That's, I mean, I've wanted to know that since like 1972. Your audience may want to some of them may want to close their ears at this part. <laughs> well, Daryl, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be a good thing. So go ahead. Uh, you can handle it, but I'm telling you, there are people that are going to say, "I wish that guy would have told me to turn the thing off for a minute." So if you want to turn it down for a second, you can. But I'm telling you, here it comes. Uh, sexual mutilation, uh, sexual assault on abductees, and we do have that, and. Uh, these are crimes of passion done by the alien. I keep telling people these beings are made, hatched, cloned, and made, manufactured for the purpose of interaction with mankind. I mean that. And when I say that, I'm going to underscore it here by telling you that when you have a, a sexual predation upon a human being by the alien uh, phenomena, or you have people uh, uh, in enormous uh, fear and uh, intrepidation, or people mutilated like the elderly woman that was skinned alive in her own bed with not a drop of blood anywhere around her. Uh, I mean skinned alive, literally, not part of her, not just the face like a cattle, the whole body skinned. Uh, there is no medical re rationale for that. You can say, well, it was some alien thing that they had to do. No, that's just not true. And fact, if you want to make it real personal, why don't we just uh, work on one of your relatives like that and see how you get along with that. Your answers are not going to be nearly as flippant as that. So the bottom line is, uh, is, as I've told people in these events, I said one of the things they do is that the aliens think of him, he's made hatch clone manufactured for the purpose of interaction with mankind. He's also the best way to think about him as a tape recorder. And he's recording all the passions, good, bad, horrific, fear beyond understanding, uh, sexual molestation. All these passions are being recorded for someone else, someone that made him, someone who enjoys this sort of thing. And when they're finally finished with that, they'll send them out to go do it again. So part of these animals actually consumed 
Like, uh, are they are they eating this, or is it just being discarded? And it's just a a, a very violent rape. I can I can only uh, as a former police officer, and, and, and evidence is very important to me. I I I don't tell people things. I tell them what I think, and then I tell them what I know. What I know is something I think I can prove or make a good, strong case for in court. What I think is another story. That's 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 not a provable thing. It's just what I think based on the fact that I've done this for over 40 years. Uh, the fact is that the most of the blood in these animals is gone. It just is. The idea that there is no blood in these animals is simply not true. There is blood that's pooled in the bottom of the body. If you turn them over, you could actually figure out that there is some blood in there, not much, but most of the blood is gone, to be sure. The question one has to ask is, why is that? And I don't know, but what I think, because we do, we have other anecdotal things that suggest things to us. One is the smell of the alien. What does the alien smell like? And I ask this question to every person I work with. I get answers that are very consistent. They either smell like burnt matches, sulfur, rotten, decayed cardboard or rotten, decayed leather. Those are answers you get consistently. Some of the answers we, we get as well is, um, and, I, and again, I don't know if your audience, and I, I don't expect your audience to know this kind of stuff because this is not, you, you, your audience for the most part is not in police work and are not dealing specifically in area of horrific crimes, murders, and uh, blood that's dried and, and the smell of that sort of thing. Some of the aliens smell this way. So what does that mean? I don't know what it means. Meaning is something people describe things to. I don't know what it means. I only know what it smells like. And when I find blood missing from cattle, people, and then I find thousands of people missing from parks and public places and around the world, I do get a little concerned. Just a little. And it's very disconcerting when you add in that uh, proclivity for for extreme violence. I mean, that's got to be something that uh, that some people have survived, and I'm sure you've heard from them. Uh, for sure, uh, I am one of the people that has survived some horrific experiences with the alien. Um, uh, I've never described those in detail with anyone out uh, when pushed and I have the time, I always give them a metaphor. Uh, and in fact, I was at a meeting one time with, uh, <laughs> this buddy. we're down in Florida and, uh, after a big conference and the, and everybody in the, in the room were contactees or people who 
Thought the aliens were here to save us and do all these wonderful things. And they're all millionaires, every one of them. There must have been 30 of them in there. One of them was worth $52 million that I know of personally. And it was his home we were at. And uh, he asked me, and they all wanted to know what I thought about the alien. I said, I don't think I can contribute to your body of information in any productive way that would make you feel good about your position. And they said, no, we really want to know what you think. And I said, I don't want to do that. I'm not here to upset you or to change your viewpoint. I don't need any disciples. I'm not interested in a following. That's not what I do. So knowing what you know about abductions, I'm Knowing what you know about abductions, can you describe what the most likely scenario of an abduction might be, kind of using your insight in detail? What would that look like? Generally speaking, there's a, there, um, the first thing that people notice generally is they'll, uh, they'll have missing time. Uh, the person wrote me yesterday and said they... Uh, we're driving down the highway, and the next thing you notice is three hours later, and they're on the wrong highway going another direction. They didn't even know where they were at. That's what that's called missing time. And uh, in other cases, people come back with a scoop mark or uh, bruises, bumps, scars, lesions on them that doesn't make any sense because it just doesn't make any sense. Or in some cases, they'll be taken out of the room. And this is really interesting. It's really amazing, amazing cases I get into. Uh, one lady uh, had this bizarre dream that she was in, uh, now she's in Dallas, Texas, where it's flatland. And, uh, and she had this dream of being out in West Texas, all these cockleburs and things like that. And when she wakes up in the morning in bed, She's got sand in her bed and cockleburs in her hair from West Texas. So some of these are telltale signs that something else has happened. Another telltale sign is when two people are taken in the event and you come back and you're, they put they take your clothes off in these events and they there someone's told to put them back on. Well, the smallest alien, the li- the little short, really small guy. He's got an IQ of about 80, and he's not that bright. I mean, he is definitely not the sharpest knife in that drawer. And he often gets the clothes not only on wrong or inside out, sometimes he'll get the clothes on the wrong person. And two people come back and they're wearing each other's clothes or they're inside out, exactly how you would have never dressed yourself ever. And that tends to let you know something weird has happened. I'm thinking that you could you could list things like that and probably pretty quickly come up to a number like a thousand. And uh, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever seen that list. And how would they react? Because you could show that to so many people. Well, here's a list of things that that could that weird things that could happen that you can't explain, but we can explain that. I mean, well, I actually do have a list and. Uh whenever people look at that, um, 
uh, of course, there are some people that are going to be paranoid, and, and they may or may not have had an event, but uh, because some of it may match them anyway, whether they've been abducted or not, uh, they'll assume they're an abductee. Um, uh, for instance, one of the things we find with some of these people um, is a rare drug allergy to procaine, such as novocaine, lidocaine, uh, carbocaine, and so on. Uh, and it, it, the alert allergies can be anything from coma to hives. Uh, and then with another group of people, we find that Novocaine is an example, uh, and I'm one of them, simply doesn't seem to work. In fact, I, every time I tell my dentist something like that, they just, that, but all, all, everything but call me a liar. They just can't believe it. I've given you so many shots, I can't give you any more. I said, well, I'm, I still feel that drill when you hit my teeth. He said, well, you can't be. I'm telling you, you can't feel it. I said, well, don't tell me what I can feel because I know better. So I finally had to learn hypnotic anesthesia and listen to music and put myself on nitrous gas just to stand the pain of him drilling on my teeth. I feel like the marathon man when I go to uh, my dentist. Daryl, they pump me so full in Novocaine, it starts coming out the uh, other other places in my mouth, and I'm not even kidding. And, uh, that, and that, started, no clue. that started about when everything else started. On your website, you have... Um, questions. There's six questions on there. Um, to who and, and why do we ask these questions and what are those questions about? Tell everybody. Well, uh, the, 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 these were put up there some time ago. Uh, I don't think that they are what we really want. So what I'm going to do is change them very soon because the questions that need to be up there are more, more for people today and uh, years ago, those were probably appropriate for a lot of people. But the questions that, uh, since we have a much more educated audience now, the kind of is looking a little much, they're hearing stuff on your program and TV and places like this. They're becoming more and more educated. So they kind of know how to look for things a little better. And so I want to uh, very quickly put up some new comments, new questions. Uh, ultimately, based on the answers to these questions, uh, especially the new ones that I'll put up there, uh, I've, I will talk to people like two of them I met today, uh, and then I'll send them my personal questionnaire, which is about 20 pages long, and it is very invasive. And I warn people of that. I said, it's going to ask you, I said, when you finish that thing, you're going to think I'm reading your mail. Uh, you just, how could this guy know so much stuff about me if you're a real abductee? And the reason is because I'm one of them. I know, I know what's going on with you. I know your psychic wound. I know what's happening. And when you fill that form out, it's, it's how can he know all these questions? How, I don't get it, you know, and that's the reason why. One of the questions on the website, it says, in your recall of the experience, can you remember the details of the alleged image? And specifically, it says, can you describe the feet or the inside of the mouth? Why, why ask that question? The reason I like to ask that question is because, first of all, people that are, are faking it will answer a different way than people who are not. And I think, I cops, think people... Always, go ahead. Cops I'm always have questions set to set people up. 
I think that question too, I mean, to me, it, you're describing some certain detail that, uh, that actually you would know. So, uh, and, and to compare, and I think that that's really interesting because, um, you know, those, those are things that, uh, people normally don't think about when, when describing something, but when you get that vivid picture, when, when you're standing toe to toe or, you know, across the room from, from something like that, and Mm -hmm. so unusual that you've never seen before, I know it's easy to, um, the fear is so great that it's hard to keep a, a list of, of what's happening and, and what it looks like, but there are those things that really stick out. That is true. And, uh, uh, I just, um, uh, my, my heart goes out to people who have gone through these experiences, but it, on the other hand, uh, when it comes to investigating, uh, I have to be sure of my data and my information. And one of the ways to do that is, uh, when you fill out that, that, that people think, well, I'll just fill out your forms and I'll figure it out and I'll just be, you know, I'll be an abductee. You just go right ahead. And uh, first of all, I don't send them out to anybody and everybody. I just don't. There are abductees I don't send them out to. But when I'm reasonably confident in someone, I will send it out. And generally, if possible, I'll have you fill it out in front of me. One of the things I do is teach how to determine whether people are lying or telling the truth just by monitoring them. The second thing I do is I'm a handwriting analyst. What do you think I'm watching while you're writing? Your handwriting. If you have a propensity to lie, exaggerate, etc., I'm going to catch that right there in your handwriting. So there are about a half dozen things happening while you're fin- filling out those forms. Then there's these trap questions in there, and you got to know which ones are what, and you won't, but I will. Were you the first person to identify um, alien implants? Uh, I think I was. Uh, my events, when I was 12 years old, in 1960, I had an, 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 an alien encounter and ended up in the circular room. I suspect it was a crap room circular and same aliens were there. Same cosmic skinhead that always gets me. I call him my hander. Uh, I call him the cosmic pizza delivery service and I'm the pizza. And uh, they deliver me and uh, that's while I was there. Uh, needle-like device that was rammed up my nose and broke the bones of my nose. I screamed, and I was horrified by the event. But that's how I discovered alien implants, not because of any science or anything else, but simply because I was a victim of the event. Do you still have that one? I do not. They uh, apparently came and removed it later. Uh, I did meet a man. That's why I don't refer to my my particular case as noteworthy, other than it happened in 1960. But what I do consider noteworthy is a man contacted me years later, and he said, I heard your story, and uh, I had the same event happen to me. And I said, you have no idea how many times I hear that. I said, what would convince me that you had the same event I did in 1960? He said, would you like the x-ray? I still got the object in there. I said, yes, I would. 
And he sent me the x-ray, and he's exactly correct. So what I had happen to me, he's got the x-ray of it, and I've got it now, of the same object in the same place right behind the eye through the nasal passage and back up behind the eye. He said the doctors can't figure out what that strange little silver sphere is behind my eye. And I said, don't say anything to him. Let him spend all the money in the world trying to figure it out. Because that's got to be from a spatter effect, like a hand grenade going off or something. There has to be an explanation for that. They can't figure that out. That freaks them out. Let them spend the money. I heard an interview with Whitley Strieber, and um, he actually said, you know, this was a couple of years ago, but he had actually said within, I don't know, a short time frame before he had made that appearance, that um, there was activity in his one of his implants. Um, do people have these implants go off, and is there activity, and, and how do they describe that? By and large, that's not true. Uh, most, most people do not even know they have an implant. If they do have one, and we've had people that have been in for four years and didn't have a clue. The only reason I found them is because they had a splinter in their foot, the doctor, the foot swells, so the doctor says, let's get an x-ray. They get an x-ray, and he says, what are those surgical clips doing in your feet? What do you mean surgical clips? I've never had a surgery in my life. Yes, you have. Somebody's put something in there. And we turned it, we did the implant removal on those in 1995, and one out of a man's hand, and found that they, through a $22,000 study, in Los Alamos, New Mexico Tech, that these objects were a rare meteorite with 11 different elements that are not supposed to be around the meteorite. And when I say rare meteorite, I mean lamellar in a perfect T formation, like a, like a capital T. And that housed inside a biological cocoon. And the way, best way to describe where that cocoon may come from is the scoop mark on the individual. It appears that that's the same material that's wrapped inside the implant and then housed inside the body. Who was the first person to remove an implant that you know of? Oh, that'd be me. That's what I thought. And, and uh, any idea what the function of these things would be for? Well, out of uh, doing 25 surgical interventions uh, worldwide. The last one I did was and uh, conducted was in uh, India two years ago. Um, some of these objects seem to suggest, and because it's still anecdotal, because I want to do specialized testing at a university uh, on things in the body, still in people, and things out of the body, to see if we can basically get them to ping, so to speak see if we can activate them in some way or another. Um, it just takes money to do that. And I, I, I do all this out of my pocket. And uh, everything we do is a philanthropic effort. Uh, we don't charge these people any money. It's not a money-making operation. We've never done that sort of thing. So uh, basically what some of them seem to suggest from our Anecdotal information is, uh, it's always about control, I can tell you that. These objects are parasitic in nature. 
they are um, they're parasitic and they are invasive, obviously. And they seem to, one of the things they seem to do is to alter the neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine. Uh, as a neuropsychologist reported to me once, Mr. Sims, if your findings are correct, that's got to be the scariest stuff I've ever heard in my life. Because if someone controls your neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, potassium, they own you. They decide whether you're happy, sad, mad, or suicidal. I said, that'd be correct. I said, what you don't know is that one of the questions on my form is, have you ever had thoughts to harm yourself or suicidal tendencies, and they were not your thoughts? Way over 50% said yes. I would imagine the great interest that these things garner in the U.S. You have a lot of people who who would like to get a hold of one and, and look at it. However, the way you mentioned it, you know, yeah, there's there's money involved. It's hugely expensive. Any sort of uh, medical procedures or, or any sort of, of scientific in investigation of, of really anything is super expensive. So what do you do? Um, is, is there somebody that you've had examine these things in your collection and um, gave you results? Or are we still waiting for, for somebody to, to, to foot this um, tremendous cost and, and get these things looked at? Well, all of the above, uh, number one, we've had one $22,000 study done at Los Alamos in New Mexico Tech on the first two uh, surgical clients that we had uh, in 1995. Uh, we've had other objects. Look, I've got a collection of them. I, I simply don't have the finances to get those uh, looked at. The isotopic ratios done on them, with there's a lot of, lot of science that needs to be done. Um, but the fact is, we are we do know quite a bit about this sort of thing. Uh, the last one of the last surgeries we did in, in California was in Santa Monica. Uh, there, I had uh, I brought a lot of MUFON people on because some of my friends are MUFON people, and I invited them. Had an Israeli film team, and uh, a cardiovascular surgeon was the surgeon doing the surgical intervention, and. I uh, did the hypnotic anesthesia, and we had a brain surgeon present. And we were looking at the the x-rays on on the wall of this doctor's. Uh, he His office was huge, and he had a whole wall inside a, an enclosed room, and, uh, and the wall is just x-ray uh, windows. And uh, we put the x-rays up, and, and the brain surgeon and the cardiovascular surgeon looked at me and said, what do you think? And I said, well, the guy's got seven scoop marks down his leg. He, there's no question he is an abductee. The object inside his leg, which I've got a picture of me with a, a magnet hanging off of his leg, uh, it, it's, it's clearly a, a metallic a ferrous object. Uh, I told the, the cardiovascular surgeon and the brain surgeon, in my opinion, 
what we're looking at here is not an implant at all. On x-ray, it looks like a perfect triangle, a blue triangle with a white dot in the middle of it. it looks like I call it the AOL or implant. Uh, because that's what it looks like, the AOL symbol. I said, but that, in my opinion, I said, the man is a mechanic. He's an honest man. And I suspect that what has happened, he's crawling around on the ground all these years, and he's got a shard of metal, low-grade metal in his leg. And because he is an abductee, he has real valid experiences. He thinks this is an implant. And uh, he said, what do you think? I said, it's not an implant. I said, this is not it. He said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want us to take it out anyway. Because if we don't, people will think, oh, my gosh, well, if they don't think it's an implant, they'll try to make it like a conspiracy. Uh, so we, I, uh, I said, I, I'm, I'm just telling you that people get real conspiratorial about this stuff. And uh, we did have it tested, sent it out to, uh, in fact, I sent it out of country to be tested. And the uh, tech, the, the, the scientists that studied it said, well, this is a, low-grade metal what I, I said like where would you find that he said like in a junkyard <laughs> that's exact you're exactly right there you go and uh of course the abductee didn't like that he you know well that's an implant you know no it's actually not so it's you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't so uh, you just do the best you can I know that you have a a vast collection of implants and and other um, things that are that are worth uh, investigating, and there are people um, out there and tried in great lengths to get rid of those, and yet you have a whole case of this with you. Do you think it's dangerous to have those? Um, are aliens going to want them back? Is there still something active about those possibly that uh, could uh, attract um, unknown attention to yourself? Well, uh, I've only had the alien, in my opinion, actually try something like that, and it was in Washington State many years ago. And uh, the, the weird thing about abductees and contactees, they can often sense when the alien is near, and they get almost phobic. I mean, it's like that you can tell when they're close. And I got that way, and I'd, now, I'd been abducted since I was 17. And here I was over 40 years old, and they were near. I mean, and I knew they wanted something in that box. They wanted it. And uh, I stayed awake, and, uh, and, uh, and I made sure it was well guarded. And, uh, but they were there that night. They were, they were, there was something in that box they wanted. I don't know what it was, but they never got it. But I've never had that problem. Uh, and the fact is, I could if, – if, uh, we're working on a possible TV show right now, and that's a big secret, really. But uh, we can't say a thing in the world about it. But that, if that is true and we move forward, I'll probably go ahead. And I've got a half a dozen people I can do implant surgeries on in a week, guaranteed it. And uh, some of them are really good cases. I got one of them today I'm very comfortable with. And... Uh, the bottom line is simply that uh, that I, if we go forward with the TV show, if all that happens, if if if, if you know, if all things being equal, 
and Daryl gets his way, we're going to do we're going to head to a major university and start doing some studies on these objects in ways that's never ever been done or even thought about before. When did you um, first discover alien fluorescence, and how did you actually stumble upon that? Well, I um, intuition shows up in your handwriting. Um, I was doing a handwriting analysis on the therapist one night, and she said, well, I just want you to know that I'm very intuitive. What that means is the person has just told you, you better find intuition in her handwriting or else. And I said, well, I have to find whatever's there. I don't. <laughs> so I did her handwriting and said, uh, intuition doesn't show up in your handwriting, but a lot of other stuff did. And she said, well, now, how am I, what am I supposed to do now? Like, that's my fault. And I said, well, I would rely heavily upon my education because intuition is not something you're going to rely upon because it isn't there. <laughs> she didn't like that at all. Uh, intuition does show up in my handwriting a lot. And I had an intuition one day in 1992 that we're missing it big time. We're seeing things in the visible range of light, such as lesions, cuts, bruises, scars, scoop marks, things we can see in the visible range. What about the invisible range, the infrared and the ultraviolet? And of course, I was starting to look in the invisible range of x-rays. That was obvious, but infrared and ultraviolet. So I asked this friend of mine that we were doing an investigation on. She was a millionaire. And I said, do you mind if I check your exposed face and arms? She said, for what? And that's why I just wanted to check them in this black light. What do you look for? I said, I don't know yet, but I think we need to be looking. And we found a Mandelbrot set on the inside of her arm. And uh, absolutely amazing. Mandelbrot set is a mathematical construction in fractal geometry, denoting uh, chaos and order. It's really, it's an amazing mathematical construction. And the thing is on the inside of her arm. And of course, she sees that and says, what the blankety blank is that? And I said, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and she runs to the bathroom and like most rape victims, starts scrubbing and washing. And the harder she scrubs on the inside of her arm, the brighter it gets. This stuff will not come off. Penetrates your skin subdermally on contact. It will be there for at least 24 hours and you can't get it off. So what was that moment like for you? I mean, was that an epiphany? You basically, you know, had all these years of research and all of a sudden there's one more huge piece of this puzzle, although it probably brought up a lot of questions that you would never have anticipated at that point, right? That's true. Uh, you're exactly right there. Uh, and uh, as an example, um, some things that, that spun off of that, is later I found that some of these marks, that particular mark was what we refer to as a procedural mark. It was done with a piece of equipment. Uh, other marks found on these abductees are, are often casual contact. By that I mean uh, a bruising, you know, where you're grabbed very hard by, the, by their hand and it and leaves bruising on you. But if that's true, they'll often, if you will use a black light immediately after the abduction, you'll often see that the 
the alien will leave a sweat-like material that will penetrate your skin subdermally on contact. So what does that mean? It means it's kind of evidence that you had an event. It's real. There's enough information that you have and other people have to make, you know, a model. And I've never really seen or heard of anybody, you know, I've seen uh, videos and, and, and um, artist depictions and things like that have, have anybody ever suggested you getting together and making some sort of concept model of uh, what this thing, what these things could actually look like and, and um, how they possibly operate? Uh, I've, I've actually uh, got some of those that I've done myself and I'm still working on. Uh, but I want to, what I need desperately right now, if your audience, there's somebody out there uh, and they want to have some fun, Look, looking and doing things that no one else has ever done before. I need a computer uh, graphics person uh, because what I want to do is put the the implant information in a in a in a graphic situation, not just in a photograph, but uh, but in a like a, a video, so to speak, a graphic video in which I can describe what's going on. And then lo and behold, uh, you see it there in 3d, so to speak. And, uh, it will make my presentation much more powerful. Of course, the most important thing is whenever you pull out the whole case and open it up and let people look at them for the first time up close under magnification and even see two pieces of our UFOs, uh, that fires people's rockets pretty good. But the fact is that um, the objects themselves uh, need to be displayed uh, in a graphic context uh, like that. And if we've got anybody in the audience that knows how to do that and would like to do it on a volunteer basis, uh, they can find me on my website, alienhunter.org. Just click on Alien Hunter and it emails me immediately. I answer all my emails. If you ever email me and you don't get an answer, I didn't get your email. Do it again. I love your website. It's incredible. The other thing that was on there, just um, under the shop button, you know, I was, I was, I was thinking while reading the material, I was like, you know, um, where would you get a black light? Where would you get a black light and try that out? You know, you have a, a black light that you can carry around with you, which is amazing to me because, you know, I, I think a lot of people have that same question. This is something that they could carry with them in some sort of practical application. And it's a test for themselves at times. That is true. Let me ask uh, you one. Go, go ahead. Black light. I have a $500 black light. It was designed by an engineer. It'll uh, detect blood on the shroud of Turin. But since there are not a lot of shrouds of Turin to look at, <laughs> probably you don't need a $500 light. So I've got a $5 one that'll do 80% of everything my $500 one will do. And you can put it on your keychain. You'll have it with you all the time. What should be the next step for humanity, you know, to deal with this uh, unknown alien agenda? Well, I can tell you the, the one thing we don't need to be doing. In fact, there's an, there's something on the internet going to come out in the next day or two. I just, in fact, I signed the agreement as I was on your program, just as we were starting the program, 
and uh, they're jumping up and down. And it, the, the issue, the thing they asked me about is there are a bunch of people wanting to go out to Area 51. What do you think about that? I said, I think that's a really bad idea. I said, I used to be a military police officer, senior military police officer. One of the things I did was quell three riots at one time. I said, I'm really good at what I do. The incredible thing is, I said, I was, I'm a nice guy. Not one person got hurt in any of those three riots in Korea. Not one, not a, not a military police officer, nor an offender were ever hurt. I said, I'm a nice guy. You go out there tampering around the top secret installation, you're going to meet people that are not nice at all. These are referred to as the Wackenhut boys. They're the guys that drive those white vans with the M16 that have a sign out there that says, we're authorized you deadly force. Do you want to roll the dice and find out? This is really a bad idea. Uh, then I, I'm going to do a second uh, interview in which I, my wife asked two wonderful questions. She said, what would you do because you believe in disclosure? What, do, what would you advise these people to do? I said, I would tell them to do everything opposite of what they're going to do. You're, it's dumb. You're never, first of all, you're never going to get there if it's one. Forget it. You forget that. 200,000 people are not going to show up at the front gate. The very good one ain't going to happen. That's number one. Number two is she said, uh, I said, there are really good ways to get your message across and nonviolent and get results. You don't catch bees with vinegar. You do it with honey. That's number one. She said, well, the second answer I have for you is as a military police officer, you quell riots before. What would you do? And I said, uh, I would be effective. And I said, in, in my opinion, probably no one will get hurt, even the stupid people. I said, the problem is in these kind of riots, people like George Soros puts people in these events that are paid, specific, trained terrorists. And they'll bring a gun. And they'll do something horrible, like shoot into the military police guys lined up out there. What do you think is going to happen then? Somebody's going to get hurt. That's the whole purpose. George Soros does stuff like that. A lot of the riots we saw the last three years under the Obama administration, many of those people are paid by George Soros to be there. They're not even part of the community. They do this on purpose. One of the first things I would do would infiltrate their entire group as them until I found those type people. And I would prosecute them under federal law, under terrorism, uh, to the fullest extent of the law. Daryl Sims was gracious enough to give us his time tonight and join us in the studio. Mr. Sims, thank you so much for being here tonight, and I would like to give you the final word. Well, my final word is that uh, everybody to keep your powder dry, <laughs> keep your eye on the ridge. <laughs> but realistically, uh, I just uh, I think everybody should uh, uh, just uh, not be paranoid 
but you need to be vigilant. I mean, we don't, when people are having these events, they have nowhere to go usually. And uh, if you need help or anything, you can go to my site, alienhunter.org, and click on it. I don't have hardly anything for sale. I don't care whether you buy anything or not, but I do care if you're having difficulty and you need some help, if I can help you, I will, or I'll point you the right direction. It's a great community out there. Thank you for being a part of it, and I love what you do. Thank you for being here, sir. Thank you, sir. You can find my website at www.myalienlifepodcast.com and please subscribe to my latest downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and at podbean.com. And please follow me and like me on Facebook and Twitter. My Alien Life is written and produced for broadcast at Studio 254 in the Northern Rocky Mountains. The music you are hearing is produced and created by Elion. You can find all Elion's work online at Heart Dance Records. (laughs) 